0: Thank you for the chance to study your word. Thank you for the chance to be with your people, privileges. And Father, I pray that tonight you would spark an even greater desire in us to love you and to look forward to the future, to look forward to the resurrection of our bodies and life that never ends. And we pray that you would do that tonight through your word and through your spirit. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Okay, let's, let's go ahead and start with reading the creed together. Can we do that like we've done in the past? We'll start at the beginning. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried, He descended into hell. The third day he arose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Whence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Catholic Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Man, I really like reading it together every time that we're studying this because we don't want any one section to get disconnected from the rest of it. It's all so tied together. If you've got your Bibles, please turn to 1 Corinthians 15. If you don't have your Bibles, please grab one that's in front of you because you're going to want a Bible in front of you for this. This is a a Bible study here. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to turn there with you. This is connected to the rest of the creed. See, we don't have we don't have bodies to be resurrected if we didn't have a God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, right? So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to we're going to scan this section and talk about the resurrection. And I I'm I'm simple. So here's here's my point 1. Uh, I believe in the resurrection of the physical body. I believe in the resurrection of the physical body. So, 1 Corinthians is is a letter from the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. Many of you I know are are familiar with it. And he's he's given them all sorts of instructions and encouragement throughout the letter. They're actually a little bit of a messed up people, similar to to maybe our church in some ways. Uh, Although our church is a wonderful church. I wasn't trying to degrade that. But... Uh, at, at the end here he's trying to encourage them specifically with the resurrection in chapter fifteen, it starts off with this statement of the gospel verse verse three he says this is what this is what's of first importance that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures and that he was buried and on the, and was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures so this is this is what he believes is of first importance and then he and then he talks about how if Christ wasn't raised from the dead, then we're above all to be pitied, right? Our, 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 our faith is absolutely worthless if Jesus didn't actually raise from the dead. And, and then he goes on to say, but he actually did raise from the dead. Not only did he raise from the dead, he appeared to a whole bunch of people. Um, so drop down to verses 35 to 41. I need a volunteer who can read that nice and loud. Bill, thank you. 35 to 41.
1: Sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars for star differs from star in glory.
0: All right, so he's just, he's setting he's setting up here. I wanted to give you some context for what we're going to to look at in verse 42 through 44. Um, but but he's kind of saying, right? That what we see here is, is not what we're going to see. It's going to be different. So read verses 42 through 44 for me. Yeah, you you you're doing really good. Keep it going. Okay, so follow this metaphor, right? What is sown in the ground? Who, who here has actually planted some seeds or, or, or sown a field? You have, okay. You put it in the ground, right? Is that where it goes? And then what comes after that? The grass, the plant, the tree, right? Okay, so that's what he's saying, right? You sow, sow it, and what, what goes down is one way, and what comes out is another. So how does he describe the, these bodies in verse 42, What is sown perishable is raised what? Imperishable. All right, what does that mean? What does imperishable mean? Not able to be destroyed. Not able to be destroyed? Somebody else say something? It's going to last forever. Perish. I think of, what do you guys think of when you think of something that perishes? Lettuce. Lettuce. Yeah, that's good. Food, right? It's like that stuff in the back of the fridge you didn't know was there anymore, right? It, it, It has perished. Do not eat that. Um, Yeah, this like decay almost. Okay, so so follow with me. These bodies that are going to be raised, the physical body is going to be raised, they can't perish. The essence of this new resurrection body will not ever decay. It won't get worse. I believe that's what it's saying. Um, I've, I've titled it here that these bodies can never die because... Uh, I believe that that's what it's saying. It's it's sown in dishonor and it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness and raised in power. And then it says it's sown in a natural body and raised in a spiritual body. That doesn't mean a spiritual body like there's no physical body. It means a body that's, I believe it means a body that's constro- controlled by God and, is, and, and gives glory to God in what it does, right? This is going to be different. There's going to be discontinuity. This body's going to be different, but it's still going to be a physical body. We're going to see that that more. Let's keep reading, actually. Let's keep reading. Verses 45 through 49. Who can read that nice and loud for me? So it is written, the first, first man, Adam, became
2: a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the, dust of the earth. The second man is of heaven. As with the earthly man are those who are of the earth, and as is the heavenly man, they are also those who are of heaven. And just as you have borne the image of the earthly man, you shall, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man.
0: Okay, good. Thank you very much. In verse 49, that last verse, go back and look at it. What, what is our image going to look like? What is our new body going to be like? What does it say? Verse 49. Just as we have been, we have borne the image of the man of dust, so that's Adam, that's the human man, okay? We shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Who do you think that's referring to? Yeah, Christ, right? Jesus. He's he's the man who came down from heaven. He's the man who went back to heaven. All right? Do do you know any other verses that talk about that same truth that will be like Jesus. Can you think of a verse? What's another verse that mentions that? Somebody knows one. All right, good. I I, I agree with you, Miss Sarah Going, I think Philippians 3.20 is a very good one. I saw you thinking about that. I'll read that. I actually have that in front of me. I'll read that for you. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. This is a principle. This isn't the only other place that's mentioned, but it's a principle, right? That our bodies are going to be somewhat like Jesus' body when we are raised again. What do we know about Jesus' resurrected body? People saw it. It's been recorded about. What can you guys tell me about Jesus' resurrected body? What's up then? He ate. He ate. Really? Okay, so you think maybe our, our new resurrected bodies will eat. I, I think that's a good, good plan. Yes, what was, somebody else said something. Yeah, that's a, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. how thick was that wall? Yeah, that, that's, that's a very interesting one. Recognizable, that's right. Maybe almost not initially, but, but then, then definitely there was this familiarity that they knew it was him. Yeah, Good. Did he talk? Did he walk? Did he go places? Yeah. He um, he ate. He d- I want you to think, I, want, I and maybe maybe you're already thinking this way and I want to reinforce it that your body in the resurrection will be a physical body, a real body similar to the one that you have. There's going to be some type of continuity. My second point here as I said is that they will be real physical bodies, okay? You're not, you're not going to go out of existence. You're not going to be a spirit floating around. There's going to be a day coming where your body is going to be resurrected and made new, and it's going to be awesome. Okay? Oh, you're with me. I can tell. Flip over to Revelation. We're going we're gonna to flip back, so if you want to put a bookmark or something there, but flip over to Revelation chapter 21. It's the very last book of the Bible. You don't even have to look that up on the table. of us go to the very end of your Bible, and we're going to go to the second to last chapter, chapter 21. So if we're going to believe in the resurrection of the dead, we're going to believe in the resurrection of the physical body. They're going to be real physical bodies, and they're never going to ever die. We're actually going to see that statement here again. Revelation 21. Now, this book, to give us some context, right, this was written by the Apostle John, and uh, it's very apocalyptic. It's looking towards the future, what is going to happen in the future, and and this chapter comes at the very end. He has already talked about Jesus' return, and if you've been with us, we've already talked about Jesus' return. Jesus is going to come, and why is He going to come? He's going to come for judgment and salvation, but we talked about how He's going to come and judge, and so this is after that judgment's happened, what is going to take place, and this... This chapter starts this, this uh, new heavens and the new earth. So chapter 21, someone can read for me verses 1 through 3. Josh Arthurs, you got that in front of you there? Can you read that for me? Good. Okay. How is this place described? What is this place described like? What's, what's, the, what's it called? What does it call new it? In the first verse. And what? New heaven, new, earth. new heaven and new earth. All right, so keeping with my theme of continuity, I want to remind you that the new heavens and the new earth, the new earth will be a new earth. What's something you know about our earth? Uh, let me put it another way. What's a place that you like to go on our earth? Somebody just tell me. What's a place you like to go? The beach. The beach. Who likes to go to the beach? I love to go to the beach. Amen, brother. What's another place you like to go? Yes. Chick. Yes. Chick <laughs> Fil A. I like it. How about you? Texas. Texas. Uh, everybody who likes to go to Texas likes to go to Texas. Okay. The mountains. Good. Good. There are things that we really enjoy about this, this physical world, right? Um, I want you, I, I would assert to you here, and I'm going to read, actually I need somebody to turn to Romans 8 for me who wants to be my bold turner just to supplement our Revelation 21. Dick, Dick Gould's got it for me. Romans 8, we're going to go 18 to, to 23. But uh, this earth is, is not going to be the same. It is going to be made new. But there's going to be a new earth, a physical earth that you're going to be able to touch and see and feel. And that's my first point here. It will be a real physical earth. I believe in the new heavens and the new earth. That's my my point, too. I believe in the new heavens and the new earth, and it will be a real physical earth with continuity. John Piper says this, What happens to our bodies and what happens to the creation go together. And what happens to our bodies is not annihilation, but redemption. Our bodies will be redeemed, restored, made new, and not thrown away. And so it is with the heavens and the earth. You got Romans 8. Can you do 8? It's a little section, 18 through 23 for me.
2: That the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. Not only this, but we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For
0: Good. Thank you, Dick. It, it's got this groaning language, right? It's like the creation is actually groaning. That's—I like that word. It's vivid. You can—you you immediately can get a, a picture of somebody groaning, right? I think of um, myself actually when I had food poisoning, right? I was groaning. It was painful. The creation is groaning. It said, and it's somehow tied with the, with with us, right? So it's waiting for the redemption of our bodies and then the creation. Is going to be made new too all right so let's think about implications of this and i would assert to you some people actually feel guilty it's almost like they don't want to go to heaven because they they really enjoy some of the things of this earth right maybe they enjoy mountains or maybe they enjoy (laughs) chick-fil-a i doubt it's texas but maybe Uh, but there's things of this world that they enjoy and it's almost like they feel guilty that they don't want to go to heaven because what if what I have here is it's not as good in heaven? Let me assure you. It's going to be even better than what's here. It's it's going to be made new. It's going to be redeemed, restored. It's not going to ever decay or perish. It's not going to have the the uh, curse of sin on that new earth, right? It's it's going to be Chick Fil A like you've never had Chick Fil A before, okay? But. Oh, I'm, I'm thinking of the beach. I'm thinking of the waves, and I'm thinking of the, the mountains and the streams. I don't think it's wrong for you to enjoy those things, right? Those are going to be tastes of heaven. And I can't remember who it was that I read, but basically they were saying, look, the, if you're a believer, the closest to hell you're going to get is this, is this life right now. But if, if you're not a believer, the closest to heaven you're going to get. You get almost these glimpses and tastes, and that's going to be the extent of it. So I think one implication is you don't, need to enjoy, you don't need to feel guilty if you enjoy some of the good gifts God has given you. Actually, I think it's okay to look forward to a new earth that's going to have some of those same things that you can enjoy. Does that make sense? Okay, let's go back to the text, chapter 21, verse 3. I'm calling this the best part. What's the promise of verse 3? What does it say? How about you in the front row? Go back to 21, verse 3. What, it, what does it say? What's going what's to happen? Gotcha. Behold, the dwelling, place of God is with man. the dwelling place of God is with man. Man, let's think about that for a minute. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say the best part, Dash, God will dwell with His people. And I think this is the best part. Actually, in chapter 22... You can you can flip there if you want. I'm just going to read one quick verse. Chapter 22, verse 3 says it's talking about the same thing. It's talking about heaven, and the eternal hev- new earth, and new heavens. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. So the dwelling place of God will be with man. And now you this is this is familiar to many of you. Where else? You help me here. Where else in Scripture do we see? God making His dwelling with man. Have we seen that in Scripture before? Tabernacle. The tabernacle. Uh, are you sure? Is that what happened to the tabernacle? Uh, yeah. yeah, it did, huh? If you were here for our Exodus study, it was like we heard about it over and over again, right? Yeah, good. Thank you. God dwelt with His people at the tabernacle. Was there another time like this? Huh? Yeah. In the very beginning, right? God. Yeah, it says, it, it says that they... Uh, he walked with God, right, and um, they were in the garden together. Good. I would say even the temple, uh, the the presence of God at the temple. There's even one more I'm thinking of in Scripture that I'd love somebody to mention that the God, very God, came to dwell among His people. Emmanuel. Yes. Thank you. Right. But um, he, he He became flesh and dwelt among us. But this is this is special. This. This isn't just talking about God's uh, omnipresence, that there's a sense in which God is everywhere. This is talking about God's specially dwelling with his people. And I'm saying that's the best part. You know, when, if you look at John 17, 5, I believe, it, it talks about eternal life, right? And what does it say that eternal life is? Does anybody have that memorized? And eternal life is this. Somebody help me out. Nobody. All right, we got to turn there then. So, a couple of you. And this is eternal life. John 17. John Piper's got a book. It's, it's just called God is the Gospel, right? When you get saved, what you get is God. And, 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 the, and the joy and the pleasures forevermore with him. It's not verse 5, it's verse 3. Verse 3, I was way off. 17, John, John chapter 17, verse 3. Who wants to read it? Anybody turn there? Yeah. Read it nice and loud. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you and the only true God
2: and Jesus Christ.
0: the one you sent Yeah. Good. This is what eternal life is, knowing God and knowing Jesus Christ. Yeah, because, see, God is the one, if we go back to his character, God the Father Almighty, he's the one who is eternal, Right? He's the one who's good. He's the one who's never going to He he never going to die. And we get a, get united with Christ, right? We get to be a part of that. And when we get eternal life, we get to know him. We get, we get that is what it even means to have eternal life, that we can know God. So it makes sense that now in the culmination of all things, the dwelling place of God is going to be with his people. And it's never going to end. Okay, we're moving. Number three, I believe that life will go on forever. I believe that life will go on forever. So I've already said, right, if we're going to believe in the resurrection of the body, we're going we're to believe in resurrection of physical bodies that are never going to die. I believe in the new heavens and the new earth, and it will be a physical earth. And now I b- I believe that life will go on forever. Um, so let's read verses four. Somebody read verse. Ch- we're back in chapter one, Revelation twenty one, verse four. Uh, flip back, flip back. Read it nice and loud. Yes, yeah, just four. Okay, good. So it clearly states, death shall be no more. Um, so let's, let's, let's dwell on this a little bit. I'll, I'll, I'm going to read that verse a couple more times for you. I want, I want it to sink in really deep. It says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Let's read it again. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. How could it get any better than that? It can't. Those are the things we. Those are many of the things we, we don't like about this life, right? All right I want to. I want to think about impli- implications of this. And 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 what does it mean that we're going to live forever? What does it mean that there's not going to be sin? What does it mean that there's not going to be suffering, or tears, or mourning? All right. Go go over to chapter 22. We just read it. I'm going to read it one more time. Verse 3 in chapter 22 said, No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. And then it says this, And his servants will worship him. There's a lot of talk, if if you were to go back to Isaiah, about servants worshiping him and servants serving him. What's, uh, what's something a servant does? I'm going to come back to this no more pain and suffering. We're going we're gonna to set it aside for a second. I want to make this point, and then it's going to tie in. What does a servant do? Tell me something a servant does. What, what, what do you think a servant does? Yeah, you, right there. What does a servant do? What's something they do? Uh, serve. They serve. Great. Uh, let's, let's put ourselves in a, um, a master-slave type culture. What do you think maybe a servant in, in biblical times would have done? Just, I don't know, an idea. Whatever they told them, right? You, you just do it. Maybe they'd wash, wash feet, right? Maybe they're cooking, maybe they're cleaning. Uh, you know, there's a s- sense in which we're all slaves of our earthly masters today. But, but the Bible talks a lot about being slaves of, of God and that we're servants of God. And servants of God work. Whoa, that ties us all back to Genesis, doesn't it? You're gonna. Everything about the new heavens and the new earth ties you back to Eden. You'll see it over and over again. But we're gonna be people who work in heaven. There's gonna be real work to do in heaven to serve the King and to worship the King. We're not. We're, you're not gonna sit in a. There'll be times where you're probably sitting in a choir, singing and praising. But there's gonna be times you might be a Chick Fil A or the glorified Chick Fil A. It's not gonna be Chick. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> Uh, and, and and making a sandwich to the glory of God, and guess what? You'll you'll do it really really well. Like it ain't gonna burn, right? It's not gonna get overdone. It's gonna it's gonna get packaged and folded, just right, always on time. Um, there is gonna be real work. There's gonna be real service. So this is the the essence of what life is gonna be like under and the new heavens and the new earth. We don't know everything that it's going to be like, right? There's not pages and pages and, and pages and pages of this is exactly what you're going to do. We know some things. We know some things. Well, I can't tell you exactly what every minute of your day is going to look like, but I can tell you this. It's going to go on and on and on. I can tell you this. There's not going to be any pain. There's not going to be any suffering or decay. There's not going to be any tears. And you know what? God's going to dwell with you. That's, in, in one sense, that scares me. Does that kind of like, like, I don't know if I'm okay being that close to God. We're going we're gonna to talk about that more in a second, too. This is going to be like paradise. I want to read you a quote. And uh, many of you have probably read this book. I would commit it to you uh, if, if you haven't. And uh, it, he t- it's uh, called Heaven by Randy Alcorn. And really what he does is he says, this is what the Bible clearly says, and this is what we know about heaven. And then he kind of takes principles from that and, and, and <laughs> fills in details and conjectures. What could it actually be like? It's, it's, not, it's not all Bible, okay, there's, there's some conjecture, but he, he tries to base it on logic and reason. And it helped me at a time uh, that I didn't have any idea what would heaven be like. But he, he hits hard on this, fr- this thought of resurrection. And I want to read a portion of this to you. Just try to, try to listen and focus as I read this. And he, he's basically going to reference C.S. Lewis in the, in the Chronicles of Narnia. In the, in the final book of the Narnia series, how many of you all have read the Narnia series? Okay, all right, all right, some. In the final book of the Narnia series, The Last Battle, C.S. Lewis paints a beautiful picture of the eternal heaven. Early in the book, Jill and Eustace are traveling on a train. When suddenly they're thrust into Narnia, when their adventure is over, the children haven't experienced the joys and wonders of Narnia and the presence of Aslan, the great lion, are afraid they will be sent back to earth again. Then in a section called Farewell to Shadowlands, Aslan gives the children some good news. This is what he says. There was a real railway accident, said Aslan softly. Your father and mother and all of you are, as you used to call it in the Shadowlands, dead. The term is over. The holidays have begun. The dream is ended. I can't even read this without crying. And, and this is the morning. Then Lewis concludes the story with one of my favorite paragraphs in all of literature. So if you've read the stories, this will mean a lot to you. If you haven't, they've had a lot of great adventures and life was really exciting and fun, right? And this is, this is from, the, from the book. And as he spoke, he no longer looked to them as a lion. But the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all the stories, and we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better. Than the one before is that a fun quote it's it's um, it's not it's not it 's not Bible, but I think it kind of catches the essence of this is something to look forward to. this is something that we can yearn for and and now i'm I, I think these truths are pretty straightforward and simple, and i 'm going to spend the next about ten minutes talking about a couple of what I would call implications. Dr. Danny would say, so what? So what? So the next number four here, I believe in yearning for Christ's return. If these things are all true, what is our response? I believe in yearning for Christ's return. Did some of you keep your finger in 1 Corinthians? We've got to go back there to catch what one thing that Paul says. I want to I want to read that back. It's at the end of chapter 15. He basically says, so what? He says it by saying, therefore. But every time you see the word therefore, you got to look back and find out what it's there for. Right? Okay, you like that. So, at the end of chapter 15, verse 58, he's just talked about how how God is going to win. This resurrection is real. Death is swallowed up. There is no more death. There is no more sin. So what? Therefore. Verse 58. Uh, Who can read that? Who's there and can read that for me? Okay, good. I'm going to break that down into sections. It says, be steadfast and immovable. What do you think that means, and how do we do that? Uh, this is uh, going to be another participating time. What is it, well, let's just start with the basics. What does it mean for something to be immovable or steadfast? Not influenced by others. Okay, not influenced by lo- others? You, you never, changes. never changes? Okay. Trustworthy? You know what I think of when I think of immovable? I think of Pastor Brian play, playing football, right? He was probably pretty immovable. I would not want to have run into him as a linebacker. Um, immovable not moving so what does that look like as far as our faith goes how do you how do you therefore my beloved brothers how do you be steadfast and immovable always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain what is it? Well-rounded. say that again well rounded what does that mean grounded well grounded that's okay grounded. <laughs> grounded.
2: Solid.
0: solid how do i do that miss laura word. by the word what do you mean by the word? The, word, the word i gotta read the word i gotta know the word i gotta obey the word this is like what we talk about every single message we have right know the word be in the word memorize the word It's pretty straightforward how else thank you i totally agree um, prayer, who said that? What is, pr- what is prayer? <laughs> Talking, to Talking to God, perfect, that's the, yeah. and we need help, don't we? We need to ask for help that we might be immovable and steadfast in our faith. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. That's encouraging, right? Sometimes you all might, and I wish Pastor Brian's here because I wanted to say, don't be discouraged. None of your labor in the Lord is in vain. Those of you who work tirelessly, who feel like, man, all, all you're doing is volunteering at the church and, and you're the, or, or taking care of your kids or helping others, right? Uh, giving the gospel, evangelizing. It says that your labor is not in vain abounding. What's the picture what's the picture of abounding? What's something that, that's abounding that you can think of? See we got a lot of word pictures. The faucet, right? I think the I think of a cup underneath the faucet in my house, right? And it's just just overflowing. It just doesn't stop. It's going and going and going. Could you could your life be characterized by always abounding in the work of the Lord? Could you look at your life and say, this is, this is how I am trying to abound in the work of the Lord? And how could you, how could you personally answer that? Uh, I'm reminded of Colossians 3. It, it, it says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, tying back to what Laura said. We need to seek. And that's why I use the word yearning. It's got this seeking, right? You know, what? This, again, this imagery of yearning. What does it look like to yearn? To, to seek the things that are above, to be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. All right, how else do we do that? We, we could pray. I've got something specifically that you could pray. It's from the Sermon on the Mount. How about we all pray that His will be done and His kingdom come, right? That's supposed, supposed to be part of our, our prayer life. Let's pray for His kingdom to come and His will to be done. All right, flip back to Revelation 22. At the very end of the Apostles' Creed, it actually has this word, amen. <laughs> amen. Does anybody know what amen means? Like, why do we say amen? amen. So be it. I heard somebody else say that back there. I right? are just basically saying so be it for the most part, right? But it's, it's helpful for us when we pray, then the people around you know that you're actually done praying. I, I, that, that can be helpful. Um, but we're actually following the the pattern of, of some of the of the uh, authors of the Bible, even the Apostle John here. Uh, and if you look at the very end, you go to the very end of chapter twenty two, and let's read. We're going to read verse seventeen through the end. And for the sake of time, I'm going to read it. Chapter seven, Revelation twenty two seventeen. And the Spirit and the Bride say, "Come," and let the one who hears say, "Come." says, surely I am coming soon. And what's the response? Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. Yeah, can we say with the Apostle John, Amen, come, Lord Jesus. I, uh, I, I was explained one time, you guys know the song, It Is Well With My Soul. You guys know that song? The very last stanza has this little line and I never knew that it was tied to this. But the KJV version, does anybody have the KJV in front of them? Anybody using the KJV? You gotta, can you read that, that verse, uh, verse 20 in the KJV for me? He which testifies these things saith,
2: Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord
0: Jesus. That that even so phrase, in that last stanza of It Is Well with my soul, it says, Even so it is well with my soul. And that even so is actually a reference to this verse. At the end of that, that song, he's, saying, he's not saying, even so it's going to be well with my soul. He's saying, come Lord Jesus. Even so, amen, come Lord Jesus, it is well with my soul. So when you sing that song and you see that phrase, I want you to think back to this verse. And I want your heart to not just be, it's going to be well with my soul, but come Lord Jesus again. Okay, one last thought we need to have, and we haven't spent much time on it. Revelation chapter 21, back to the passage that we were at. We, I know we jumped around a little bit, and I apologize for that. Chapter 21, verse 5. Chapter 21, verse 5. So it's kind of the following, right? We just heard, there's going to be no more tears. There's going to be no more death, no more pain. And then in verse 5... John, says, John writes this, and, and he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Right? We've, been already, we've already been saying this. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. This is actually, it, it, it's this, this kind of terminology is used a couple times within the, these last few chapters. In, in chapter 20, it talks about how uh, there, there, anybody whose name wasn't written in the book of life is thrown into the lake of fire. You know, when we talk about life everlasting, we believe that for those who have uh, believed and repented that they are going to live forever in the new heavens and the new earth. But there's those that, that don't believe, and they don't have that same result. So my last, my last I believe statement for tonight is that I believe in evangelism. I believe in evangelism. And to remind you what the Bible says, just so you know I'm not making this up, Matthew 28, I'll read it for you, you have to turn there. And Jesus came and said to them, "'All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. "'Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, "'baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.'" teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Answer this question for me. We're almost done. Stick with me for a couple more minutes. What what can you do now that you aren't going to do better in heaven? You already know the answer because we just talked about it, right? But think about it. You're going to serve God better. You're going to worship better. You're going to love other people better, right? You're going to pray better. You're going to work better. Your, your body's going to feel a lot better. I mean, God could, right? God could have set it up where after you were saved, boom, went into the presence of the Lord. The, you don't have to do anything else. You're there. But he didn't. And I would assert to you that this is the purpose of the church and the reason that we, those of you who are believers, are still on this earth. It's not to, it's, it's, it's not to create some wealth that you can pass on to your kids. It's not to... Uh, make life easier for yourselves it 's not uh, we, we, we don 't exist today. those of you who are believers um, for any other reason other than to be a part to worship god and this is our mission to tell others we, we, we know what the end result for them will be if we don 't and I love what I, I got that from my my old pastor John that um, we 're going to do everything that we can do better in heaven except for that so let 's let's do that here. So let me ask you, who are you praying for? Who's your one, if you will, or who are your three? If I ask you right now, do you have those, those people that you are praying for, God, open their eyes. Hey God, give me an opportunity that I could preach to them, that I could share with them, that I could invite them to church, that they might hear your gospel. Who is it in your life that you're praying for? What are the opportunities that you're praying for? What are the opportunities that you're making happen in your life to tell others about the Lord? Can, can you purpose to do that? Uh, I, man, this is humbling for me. And I, as I was preparing this, I just thought, I, I, I need to address this in my life. I feel busy. I've got a lot of things to do, right? Well, I make time for a lot of things. Am I willing to be a part of this mission of the church? Uh, we would love for you to invite anybody you know and your friends. Have them come uh, uh, on Wednesday night. Have them come Sunday morning, Sunday night. Have them come join us here uh, at any of our gatherings. We would love to meet them and speak with them. Okay. Any? Uh, I'm, I'm out of time. Any questions? Any questions or comments or Anything I missed? You know, I, I know that some people are, I, I personally know somebody who's, who can be scared of going to heaven. And, and I think it's twofold. I think there's a couple, there's many reasons that could be true. Maybe you just don't know what it's going to be like and so it's scary to you. Maybe it's too close to God and that scares you. Um, you know, read First John. He, he wrote it that you might know that you have eternal life you can absolutely know that you're, you can be close to God because it's not going to be about you or your righteousness or how good you are. It's only going to be because of Christ. That's what we believe here, right? That we can, be, we can be okay, we can be justified, we can be right with God and be in His presence eternally, not because we're going to be us, but because of Christ's death that paid for our sin and His resurrection and His righteousness that we get. We can be right with Him. And our response to that is repentance and faith, and you know that. Um, so don't be scared of being close to God if you're a believer. And if you, and if you are scared about, about that, let, I'd love to talk to you afterwards. Uh, our, our pastors would love to, love to talk to you. What could it look like to know that you're right with God? And don't be scared that you're going to be bored. Don't be scared... That uh, marriage isn't going to work the same, or that uh, what if people don't know me? The, the whole point is that the, the new heavens, the new earth is going to be better, right? It's not going to be less in any way. The best part of earth is only the taste of what's to come. Don't ever think of it as less. Remind yourself of what's true. Remind yourself that uh, I, I guarantee you, you don't have a, a saint in the Bible that didn't look forward to it, right? You don't have anybody who's like, eh, I don't know if I want to do that. They're always looking forward to heaven. Okay, I give you time to think if you have a, a question or comment. Okay, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray, and then we're going to sing, because I've ended in time so that we can sing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, and I do pray. Father, might it um, work in our hearts, might it work in my heart, Father, cause it to yearn for heaven, cause our hearts to yearn for heaven, cause our hearts to love you, to, to commune with you and to know you even in this life, that, uh, that we know eternity is a continuation of that. And Father, I, I pray that there would be those that maybe were fearful of heaven that could have some motivation to, to turn from that and have true hope in you. Maybe there's people, Father, that those of, that feel their bodies are decaying. I pray, Father, they would be encouraged that one day they're going to have a body that will never decay. And, and, Father, I thank you that you will take away death and sin forever and ever. Father, help us to, to be a part of your mission that you're accomplishing. I pray that each believer in this room would be active in sharing their faith and in, in, in telling others the good news, the gospel. We know that's what you've you've called us to. I, I pray that you would create opportunities and that you would help us to do that faithfully. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.